0: How many here can say that you've been changed by something you've seen? Right? It's not such an uncommon experience, given the media that's at our fingertips. Right? All the events of the world can be piped right into a device in your pocket. But I think a lot of what we see ends up being more in the disturbing category than in the inspiring. And when I say changed, I think what we often think of is affected. You know, when we see some tragedy, when we see something overseas, it tends to shake our sense of justice, perhaps our trust in other people. It erodes our sense of dignity. The Transfiguration is something different. You know, we have those experiences that are very positive, you know, perhaps with a work of art, like a book or a play or a movie something that inspires us, or perhaps it's out in nature, something that we see that's very sublime and beautiful and gives us a sense of our place in the world. We are affected, but are we really changed? I think, you know, we hear a lot about this reality that we all live in our own silo now, right? That what we see is actually more of what we've already seen that we don't really have the experience of being changed because what we want is more of what we already agree with. You know. So that a lot of what's seen just reinforces what we already believe. And so now the confirmation bias that we walk around with that tends to us to gather in the things we already believe and discount that, those outlier experiences is now manifest around us by the algorithm, right? So the experience of seeing something that really changes us is rather rare. It might even be once in a lifetime. The Transfiguration this morning brings to close the season of Epiphany. It's another miracle of seeing. By miracle of seeing, I mean it's something where by seeing Jesus, reality is altered. You know, it begins with the Magi coming, following the star to Bethlehem, and they come to the child, and they see Jesus for who he is. And they worship. And then his parents bring him to the temple, and he's presented there, and Anna and Simeon see Jesus and understand who he is and who he will be. They see. The baptism. He comes out of the water, and a voice from above says this is my son the beloved in whom I am well pleased they're revelatory and so the capstone to this season is the transfiguration where jesus goes up the mountain with peter james and john just like moses right we hear it in the first reading he goes up to the mountaintop and instead of being handed new stone tablets it's revealed in him that he himself is the new covenant he is transfigured before them bright white like the sun garments of white like an angel it's pretty amazing and it's a mountaintop experience for us both in that moment because Elijah and Moses are there, the law and the prophets. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that's come before. So it's a mountaintop experience looking back, not just to the incarnation, but to all of salvation history. And likewise, we're looking towards the cross and the resurrection. Because this begins, it says, just after Jesus has been recognized as the Christ by Peter and the way he's going to die is predicted. So we are very much on the mountaintop, and we have a vista, both a liturgical one in the year, but also a spiritual one in what's being fulfilled. And even with this whole combination of symbols, I think it's still really hard to get there, to get to what the transfiguration would be like. And so for that, I turn to One of my favorite authors, Annie Dillard, whose book, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, we read in the book club here about five years ago. She's one of my favorites. She has a whole chapter in that book about learning to see, you know, to see nature around her. How is it that we actually see things that other people cannot? We learn to see, to see the animals, to see the signs of nature. And she adds into this discussion a whole bit of story about children born blind who have their sight restored. And for many children, it's not necessarily the revelation we expect. You know, some walk around and keep their eyes closed. Some are just overwhelmed by the light and the shadow. They have no sense of space. It's more confusing than enlightening. But for some, It is truly a transcendent moment. It's that moment when the world is completely changed. And so she concludes that chapter by saying, When her doctor took her bandages off and led her into the garden, the girl who was no longer blind saw the tree with lights in it. It was for this tree I searched through the peach orchards of summer in the forests of fall and down winter and spring for years. Then one day, I was walking along Tinker Creek and thinking of nothing at all, and I saw the tree with the lights in it. I saw the backyard cedar where the morning dove's roost charged and transfigured, each cell buzzing with flame. I stood on the grass with the lights in it, grass that was holy fire, utterly focused and utterly dreamed. It was less like seeing than like being for the first time seen, knocked breathless by a powerful glance. The flood of fire abated, but I'm still spending the power. Gradually, the lights went out in the cedar. The colors died. The cells unflamed and disappeared. I was still ringing. I had been my whole life a bell and never knew it until at that moment I was lifted and struck. I have since only very rarely seen the tree with lights in it. The vision comes and goes, mostly goes, but I live for it. For the moment the mountains open and a new light roars in spate through the crack and the mountains slam. That's transfiguration. That's seeing something so rare that you're you're overwhelmed, you're transformed. To live your whole life a bell and not know it until you are lifted and struck. Not so much seeing as being seen. I think this helps us understand the reaction of Peter, James, and John. Right? When Jesus is transfigured, Peter's reaction is, now this is a Messiah I can get behind, right? Moses and Elijah and Jesus all lit up. We should put a roof on this, some walls around this, lightning in the bottle. But then the voice comes, and they're addressed and seen. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And they hit the deck. They bury their faces. That's an encounter with God. An encounter with God is one where you recognize the distance between you, little you, and the magnificence of God. It's like that moment when Peter gets called. Remember, he's in the boat, and they put out to gather in the fish. And they gather in so much fish, the boat's sinking. And he turns to Jesus and says, go away from me, for I'm a sinful man. I think it's quite remarkable that we can all go to church Sunday after Sunday all over this country and more or less be confirmed in what we already believe. That we come here and we are fed and we hear the word of God, but do we really leave changed? Because it's not just enough to see. You've got to consent to be changed by what you see by what you hear. We could be walking around and the tree with lights in it could be all around and we don't see it. So this morning the transformation, the transfiguration, is an invitation to consider your willingness to be changed. It is a vista. It is a moment of clarity. But it can leave you unaffected. To see and be seen by God is unbearable, but mediated through Jesus, who in word and action, he touches them and says, don't be afraid. The truth is the transfiguration is available to us right here, right now, in the person right next to you. If only you're willing to see. You know, Thomas Merton says, how do you tell people that they're walking around shining like the sun? We don't really believe it. We're not really looking for it. So you've got to learn to see the God within you and to see the sun in each other. To be struck like a bell and changed And to carry that tune down the mountain and out these doors. Because if you don't come here to be changed, you're wasting your time.